You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Right. Amen. Be seated. Thanks, brother. Hey, so I, I'm again like super excited tonight. You're probably going to hear me say that. And it's been like a joy to just get to dive in uh, to 1 Corinthians and really kind of learn for myself, right? Like, hey, these are lessons that really I think God wants to teach me. But um, before we get too deep, I kind of want to start with a, a story, all right? And the premise of it um, is basically the idea of sharing the gospel and, and how we share that. Let's just be honest. How many of you would, would say, okay, that you could at least learn a little bit about how to share the gospel, right? Okay, right. I'm raising my hand too. Have some people that didn't raise their hands. We'll, we'll talk afterwards, all right? All right, probably a little something to learn for us. Go back to my first talk about pride and humility, and then we can talk after that. No, so here's the deal. So um, there was this team that went to go serve uh, overseas in the same place that Caitlin I, and I went in East Asia. And so our supervisor was telling us a story. This team, they had prepared for months. They learned all the proper ways to share the gospel, even in an East Asian culture. And they were really excited and eager, right? Like if any of you have been on a trip, you know the preparation time. You're excited and eager and you feel like, man, I've kind of learned an effective way to maybe share with, with this group of people or whatever. And so they get there and obviously they're, they're super tired and jet lagging. So my supervisor tells them, hey, you can go ahead and, and sleep in. And I would need you to come in to our main offices in our city at about 11 a.m. or so. And so that's what they do. So they get up and being a foreigner in this area, especially our city, not a lot of English speaking. All right. And so it was very hard for them even to grab a taxi. Like they would kind of see a white face and be like, Mm-mm, I'm not giving them a ride, right? Because they knew that they wouldn't be able to speak in the language. And so finally, they do get a taxi and they're really excited. It's a really friendly guy. But because they know that there's a language barrier, right? They go ahead and just talk openly in really a country where you're not supposed to be doing what they were doing. And so they were saying in the name of Jesus, they were talking about the week that they were going to have sharing the gospel, talking about maybe some of the plans that they had on their agenda. And when they arrived to the place, the, the taxi driver with just a big grin and smile, you know, he like gets them out of the car. Now, pause. Um, in the language that was there, okay. This was a sign, if you wanted to sign this, of 10, okay? And the word for money is quai. Okay, it's very important that you know that before I go on. And let's just say if you're a foreigner coming to a country that you don't speak the language and you're coming there for mission work, let's just say that maybe you may use this sign for cross, Right? Is that fair? Like you're trying to, so just keep that in mind, all right? So the taxi driver gets out of the car. They're real excited. They just met him. And he starts doing this with a big smile on his face and holding up. And so these missionaries, they're like, oh, he's telling us they're Christians. Like he's telling us he's a Christian. They got real excited and he kept going like this. And so what they started doing is they started going like this back, you know, and they were like reaching for their wallet and, and he kept going like this. And they're like, 
oh, oh, he's telling us because he's a Christian. Oh, we don't have to pay. Oh, that's great. And so he kept going like this, you know, just being gracious and smiling. And they were like, okay, yeah, great. And so they were so excited and just joyful. They go into our, our main offices. Um, as they were walking away, they noticed that the taxi driver was like jumping up and down. It's like this, like he is a really passionate follower of Christ. Like he is so excited to meet a Christian, right? They go in and they can't wait to tell uh, my supervisor about the story about how, man, we like met a guy and that in their mind, they're like, maybe even through that, he came to know Jesus. We don't know. Like they were so excited to tell him a story. Like, yeah, when we got to the end of the ride, he went like that and we went like this and we were really happy and we started jumping up and down and it was so awesome. We met a Christian and, and my supervisor had to explain to them. He said, no, no. And he kind of went like this. It's like, he was telling you to pay 10 quai for the taxi ride. And so the, the irony of that, I mean, they, they thought, man, we're, we're already making an impact for Jesus here. We don't even know the language. So excited, right? And they had to find out um, that it was totally ineffective, that, there, that nothing came of it, right? And so what they had to do in that moment is they kind of had to maybe have a, a moment of humility and kind of reevaluate, okay, we're in a foreign land. Like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. All right, so not an effective way, right, to share the gospel, right, by not only doing a sign that doesn't mean cross or, or Christian or gospel, but also not paying the taxi driver, right? That, that probably destroyed the witness a little bit. He probably flagged them somehow. I don't know how they did it. Um, so here's the question that kind of comes out of this. We give a funny example, maybe a bad example, of how maybe they thought they were sharing their faith or being effective in their efforts to be a witness, right? So the question is, how do we? Share the gospel, right? Like, and here's my caveat. I don't mean this beautiful presentation from start to end that you've memorized per se. I, I mean, like, how do you show the love of Jesus to the barista at Sugar Browns? Do you know like Sugar Browns here? Just kind of shout out. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you go into your favorite coffee shop and just love on people and show them the love of Jesus? How do you begin to have good, effective gospel conversations with your roommate, like how are we supposed to do it? We can laugh at stories like that. I think if we look inside, maybe you're even kind of wondering, what is the right way, right? And maybe even some of us tonight, we've either become discouraged or totally disconnected from the idea of maybe sharing our faith or whatever because it's just so vague, it's so difficult. And so here's the deal. I'm so glad that you're asking me tonight how do we do this? Because I think we're going to get the answer. All right? So last week we were in chapter one. Hope you all enjoyed that, what Paul had to tell us. Um, I'm going to give a quick explanation of this. In chapter one of 1 Corinthians, verses 18 through 31, basically what's happening is we're not going to focus on that. But where we pick up this week in chapter two, verses one through five, what we're going to see is that we're going to see that Paul is kind of continuing a basic argument. And here's what it is. He's saying, when I preach Christ, when I preach the basic, simple gospel, several different things happen amidst several different people. One, for Jews, because they rejected Christ and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate unto death, that is a stumbling block for them. We just sing Christ alone cornerstone. We're raising our hands and yelling, woohoo, guess what? That was a bad thing for the Jews. He was a stone of stumbling. Think about like you're walking and you, anyone ever hit their pinky toe on a rock or something on the edge? Isn't that the most like painful thing? All right, so I've got to picture that, all right? And like 
it was something that they stumbled over just to hear the name of Jesus, all right? And so then there were Gentiles, basically meaning all the other nations and people groups besides Jews in the area, and the general consensus of that was this Christian, this message is, is folly, it's foolish, it doesn't make sense. You're talking about your, your dead God that supposedly rose from the dead, and so they essentially rejected that. They also rejected how Paul was speaking about it. Paul didn't play the game of, of fancy rhetoric. He just kind of gave a simple gospel message. He even put a dude to sleep one time, guys. Fell out of, you know what I'm talking about? Check that out, all right? Google it or something, all right? It's, it's a great story. The guy lived, it's okay. Um, he lived, right? I'm right on that, yeah, he lived. Okay, we're good. Um, so that's kind of where we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. If you could read that with me. And I, when I came to you, brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sorry, I'm catching up here on the clicker. And so one of the things in asking the question, how do we actually do this right? I love what Paul does because he addresses some things that kind of meets maybe some, some areas that we struggle in, all right? He kind of addresses the how not, right? And so hang in there with me. What is an example of how not? So in verse one, he mentions lofty speech or wisdom, and then in verse four, you see the wording, plausible words of wisdom. Um, I had a great conversation uh, Sunday uh, night when we were watching uh, the Super Bowl and began to have a conversation about the idea of something called sophistry. Now, this derives from the word Sophia, which is wisdom in the Greek. I don't like to cite the Greek a lot, but this is important to know. And so there are these guys that they were literally called sophists. And what they did, they made a living off of communicating being impressive communicators, but here's the deal. It's not so much that they were making these great, fantastic points. It's not so much that they were actually wise. It was in the way that they delivered the message. And so maybe in their words, it was trash, right? But in the way that they delivered it, the way they wanted to argue, it was almost as if they were debating for the sake of debate. You know what I'm saying? Like, love like hearing the dialogue, but it kind of reminds me, y'all seen Ben Shapiro, like the dude can debate and argue and you're like, I think he just wanted to roast that guy. Like, I don't know if he cares about this debate. And so when you kind of watch that, that's kind of a good example to think about. And so whenever Paul is encountering this type of culture, that's what he means by lofty speech or wisdom. He's saying that there's these big words, there's these eloquent phrases. They're just speaking to speak. And so what began to happen is that began to be popularized and it started coming into the church. And I can just tell you guys, I, I love, I love preaching the word of God, but I am not here to entertain you. And so neither was Paul. Brandon's not here to entertain you on Sundays. Like, and so this was a big problem because Paul knew that the essence of the gospel really, especially in an area that hadn't heard it, he needs to be simple and clear. And what the church began, they rather have this amazing, charismatic speaker who at the end maybe made them feel good or they were thoroughly convinced. 
And they could have been talking about something that had no relevance to their life, that had no relevance to the gospel at all. And so Paul is encountering this in a way that I think we can learn from. And so what I want to ask you, just two quick questions, is do you sometimes feel like you need to be impressive when you're sharing your faith? Do you either qualify yourself for doing this, maybe you're good at kind of entering those conversations because of your ability, or here's maybe another one that's more common, do you disqualify yourself because you don't think that you have the words to speak? And what Paul's telling us tonight is those are actually the wrong questions to be asking. It's not the right approach. Now, plausible words of wisdom. Two things, plausible. The way I've used this, the way you may have used it, I mean reasonable, believable, right? And the way I use wisdom, I think it's good. But when Paul is pairing this, what he's kind of doing, I wouldn't say it's sarcasm, but in a a way, he's kind of mocking this idea. Is like, you think that you're so wise and you spend your whole time coming up with the way you're gonna be convincing, you're using plausible words of wisdom, these guys cared more about convincing people of a point more than if what they were saying was actually true. Y'all tracking with that? So I think that's a pretty good start, all right, of how not to share the gospel. And so now we move to this. How to, let me catch up over here. How to share the gospel. In verse two, Paul says that he knew nothing except Christ. And so the first thing I think Paul teaches us is, number one, when sharing the gospel with others, we do what? We keep it simple, all right? As I mentioned, we just said Christ alone, cornerstone. All right, what does alone mean? Does it mean plus other things? It means Christ alone, right? Simple, That's, it's such a simple chorus to sing. And so here's the idea, guys. I could get up here and, man, I could really work and spend all my time studying trying to think of, man, how can I deliver this grand theological just piece to where at the end everybody's like, wow, that's cool. That'd be hard. I have to work on it, all right? But Paul is saying that he knew Christ alone. And so here's an example. I'm, I'm gonna be a warning. I'm not actually yelling this out loud seriously. Don't any of you freak out. But what if I did, fire, fire? Like there's probably people down there running right now. What would you do when I did that? What would you do if I yelled fire? Would you run? You would? Man, I'm, not, I'm worried about this group. We didn't have like fire safety training. You're just like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, you run. When I say one word and I say fire, what you better do, let's just cover it right now. Brandon, is that cool? Let's just cover it. All right, if you're in here, you're on fire, find an exit, all right? There's gonna be people kind of telling you the right way to go. Some of the staff may be like, see ya, and I'm just behind helping you out, all right? But you exit, right? You leave the building, there's a fire. It's gonna burn you. So how many words is that? It's one word. So a very simple word with a powerful, powerful message. That the weight of that, it compels action. It's a weighty thing. And so what we sometimes do with the gospel, guys, is 
it's not enough to just say, hey, Jesus died for you and rose from the dead that you may have your sins forgiven and be given eternal life in Jesus Christ. Like, we get bored with that. You notice how I just said that like that? That's not in the notes, by the way. Because that is like a simple, compact version of the gospel. And in the same way, whether you believe it or not, when we say fire, 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 that from the beginning of time, God, as he's been redeeming his people, and whenever the gospel began to to be a thing, when the church began, is that in the same way you could yell fire, what the Holy Spirit does when we say Jesus Christ died for you and rose from the dead for your sins, is he yells volumes and volumes and volumes of salvation the way we can yell fire. He comes with that same intensity into the hearts and minds of people in a powerful, powerful way. And so in a way, we step out of the way of the Holy Spirit. We deliver the simple message. We know nothing but Christ. Y'all tracking there? This is good stuff. And so be encouraged. The Apostle Paul himself kept it simple. There's no need to make it complicated. In verse 3, he says this. He says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So the first is when sharing the gospel with others, we keep it simple. The second is when sharing the gospels with others, we have what's called withness. All right? That's how it's spelled up there. And so here's the deal. I mean, just you've heard the term witness before in the church, right? Very common to say, hey, don't destroy your witness, right? I think a lot of us spend way too much time on the word witness and not enough time on withness, all right? What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Anyone in here wanna be like Christ? Yeah, as much as you can, wanna be like Christ? John chapter one, verse 14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Another way to say that is that Jesus pitched his tent among us, that he lived. And I'm not talking about, like, I don't know if you like camping. I'm not like the biggest fan, but when I go, I understand that I need to be with the other campers. I need to try to enjoy the experience. And so let's use that analogy. When Jesus pitched his tent, he didn't come in with a big, nice RV that had like 4K TV inside and like a nice bed and AC and the heating, like heating would be really nice this time of year. Right, and just kind of like propped himself up so that he'll have a good time, you know, just kind of chill. No, to use the analogy, Jesus, it's like he went to Walmart, grabbed the cheapest tent he could find, threw it out there. There's a hole in it on the first night. Like his pillow's terrible. And, and so he comes in and he lives among us. He kind of tastes and experiences the lowest depths of humanity, all right? He felt the cold air that we feel. He, he felt the warm temperatures. We're in Texas, right, that, that we feel, all right? He felt pain and suffering. He saw friends and family members pass away, die. He saw those things. The Bible makes it very clear that in every way except sin, he had a real human life. He pitched his tent, and he was with the people that he in his heart's desire, came to save. Now, where am I going with this? You said you wanted to be like Jesus. How long, how long has it been since you pitched your tent among the people that you care about, that you want to see know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, guess what? If I was sitting where you were sitting and hearing the words that I just spoke, I'd be squirming in my seat. So I'm telling you that 
this is, this is a hard thing to think about. Great example, Acts chapter 18. I gave you some background last time. That's when we hear a lot about when Paul went to Corinth. Here's the deal. Paul's been to a place called Athens. Now he's in Corinth. He's sharing the gospel. He's encountering this lofty speech wisdom. He's encountering some opposition that I don't think that he was used to up to this point. And so what happens is that he goes to Corinth and the Bible says that God had to come to him and say, Paul, do not be afraid. You know what that means? Paul was afraid. I don't know why God would have to tell him do not be afraid. He was fearful. He was fearful of the task. He was fearful of where he was. The people that he, that was in his heart to reach, he had a, an honest struggle with. He was confused. He wasn't at home there. It wasn't comfortable for him. Do you relate to that? And when God said that, Paul, do not be afraid, he said, for there are many people here who are my people. And what, you know what he did? Paul trusted that he stayed. He stayed for one year and six months. You know what he got to see? By staying and having witness with others, he got to meet a ton of those people that God was talking about of whom he knew hardly any before. He got to meet those people because really in the example of Christ, he stayed. He was willing to be vulnerable and pitch his tent, stay in the place that he was fearful of. And in staying, what he was actually able to do was be a true witness. And so to be a true witness, you have to have witness. And so I ask again, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with having witness? Are we willing to let people in? So here's the deal. I think that we would be shocked. Let me rewind. <clears throat> For whatever reason, and this may happen when we maybe bring friends to church, we have friends that we honestly, we wanna introduce to the Lord. And what we do when we're around them, I don't know what happens, but some of us, we act like we just had four shots of espresso. We clean up everything that they can possibly see in us. We don't reveal any weakness. And what we do is we teach them that Christianity is clean up your act and act like you're happy all the time or else you won't fit in. And there is no wonder that that is not working. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you. That sounds exhausting. I thought that was the gospel for several years. I think that you would not believe the power of allowing people into your life and saying, now I'm not saying giving over to sin. That, that's not what I'm saying. But here's the deal. How are the people in our lives that we care about that we want to know Jesus, how are they to know the power of grace if they don't see anything that you need grace for? Does that make sense? Like you're, you're saying grace, but you never show them and tell them and, let, and allow them to see and enter your space. Man, yeah, that's where they need grace. That's where they need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? There is so much power in allowing others to see the real us. I'm not saying go out and just get plastered with friends that you hope that that's not what I'm saying. I'm giving a caveat. What I'm saying is that you step into their space. You allow them to see where um, sorry, you step into their space, you allow them to see the areas that Jesus has redeemed in your life, which by the way is actually all of your life. And what they see for the very first time often is instead of seeing you in this polished thing that they could never be, 
they see someone that's exactly like them. And the thing that they've known deep within their hearts that they have needed, that they have craved and desired, they see for the first time, they see the gospel as it truly is in its raw form. They see a God who came down to be amidst us because we did what? Because we were willing to be used by God and be like Christ and care more about our witness with them than our witness, the words that we say. So in sharing the gospels with others, we keep it simple. We have witness. I think one of the last things that Paul shows us in verse four is he uses the words in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So when sharing the gospel with others, we have a humble boldness. Okay, let's break this down. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you receive salvation, but you also receive the person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. But check this out. In Acts 1, verse 8, like I know that Brandon did a series, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. That's a great title, guys. There is, there is power in having the Holy Spirit within us, all right? Like there is no reason, all right, to not, at least when you're, when you're in reality mode, to not have a boldness. Like the third person of the Trinity as a believer is dwelling within you. What? That's crazy. Why would he do that? That's another sermon, but he does. Romans 5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts. I've kind of answered my question. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It is a seal and stamp of his love. And it says that he is a comforter. He's a guide. He's a counselor. He convicts of sin. And you know what he does? He empowers just pastors for ministry? No. He empowers us to do the work of ministry. And so the boldness, guys, without a question, is something that as believers we should have. And if you don't believe me, begin praying for it. Say a simple prayer. God, I recognize you're giving the Holy Spirit. Reveal that to me. Give me boldness. And I would be shocked. I'd probably pass out if you told me God was shy in answering that prayer. All right, hold me to that. Now, <laughs> here's the next thing. Where does the humble part come into play? All right, because I don't know, when I think bold, sometimes I don't put humble together. You know what I'm saying? I believe that this is the idea. I think that what we do is that we don't act in boldness so that others may look at us and say, wow, look at her. We act in boldness so others will say, wow, look at God. I think this is the essence of verse five. We want people to come to faith not because they are impressed with us, but because they are impressed and so in awe of an awesome God. All right, so what I want to do is I want to talk about a problem that we have. Historically, in American Christianity, there are millions of people who have made a false conversion. And you know why? It's because men who had a fancy, nice voice and carried a Bible but didn't open it convinced them that what they were saying was the gospel, and they made some Weird decision, and afterwards, they couldn't even tell you what the real gospel was. And what was happening is that their faith was resting in the wisdom of men and not in the power of God. Because the gospel was not proclaimed. 
that's a huge issue. That's why at age 18, I had to relearn what the gospel was. And that's no knock on where I grew up. It's common. It's rampant. That's why we're still preaching on it. And so what's happened is that sometimes we get so enticed by the power of the delivery that we're convinced and swayed by empty words. Brothers and sisters, we must have this humble boldness. We keep the gospel simple, we have witness, but we ultimately, what we wanna do is we wanna demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power when we get out of the way. Here's some things that you can do. I think when we get out of the way of the Holy Spirit, that's the place where for every 10 minutes we spend talking about the Lord with others or whatever, we've spent 30 minutes on our knees begging him to save. I think it's the place that when we, when we lead a new believer to Christ, we don't see them as a trophy, but what we say is we say God did it. I think it's a place that when we don't worry about our words and our ability as if it's us that saves them, because guess what? If you look on the job board and it says salvation, that job board is taken it belongs to God. It's over. He's been hired from before the foundation of the world. Salvation belongs to him. And so stop worrying so much about your words and just open your mouth. My goodness, you wouldn't believe what would happen. That's the place where I think we're starting to understand humble boldness. And it's the place where our hearts truly break at the fact that there are 45,000 plus college students. And if you, in this area, in this community, if you added all of the college ministries in this area together, and you total those together, you know what it equals? Barely tapped. There is so large of a harvest, brothers and sisters, but the laborers are few. We gotta step into that. So I ask the question again. How do we share the gospel? What is the word of God telling us to do tonight? Paul gave us some great examples. We keep it simple. The gospel is sufficient. We have witness in our witness. We have a humble boldness. But if I could just narrow this down, I think the grand overall answer is that the way that we ultimately can share the gospel is that we demonstrate the power of God. I think that's the overarching theme that Paul is trying to point us to and show us. Because when we keep it simple, we've not manufactured anything to where it could be pointed back to us and say, oh, they just made it sound good, that's why I believe. When we have witness, when we kind of become like Jesus Christ is God incarnate, when we have what we call incarnational ministry, when we become like Jesus in such a way that we step into places, what they're seeing is actually not us. They're seeing a reflection of Jesus. You got me? And when we have a humble boldness, the reason that the power of God is on display is because other people are seeing lost and, and sorry, broken yet redeemed sinners just like us just doing amazing things for the kingdom. And they're hearing the gospel being proclaimed, not out of some preacher's mouth, but actually out of our mouths, all of us. And that is the power of God on display. Any guy 
with a sweet outfit can get up and talk and, and some convincing words can do that. But guess what? Here's the paradigm shift. When you are sharing the gospel more than anyone who ever takes this stage, wow, you better hold on tight. It's gonna get good. I think in doing that, our faith and the faith of others we reach will rest not in man, but in the power of God. Do you, do you wanna see something like that, students? Do you wanna see something that's like so incredible that there's just no way that you could give glory to yourself? You know what I mean? It's like whenever doctors are telling a cancer patient you're not gonna make it, and three days later, everything is healed and gone. Like those type of things where it's like, there's no way they could have said, well, the doctors thought of this, this, and that. No, it's God, right? Do you, are you hungry for that? Do you wanna taste that and see that? So what happens? We get out of the way. We demonstrate the power of God. What we're essentially being to others is what Christ was to others, and that is a beautiful thing. I'm gonna ask the band to come up here in just a minute. So the overall theme of this series is, hear this question. You wanna be better? I do. Before bigger? This is this next step, all right? I, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, the weight, and you maybe feel it, the weight of conviction that God put on my heart in this passage, there are some other directions we could have gone specifically for this, is, is unmatched. I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that this is a step that we need to take together. We need to get better at this, and here's the beauty of it. We've talked a lot about the power of gospel that we tell to others. You remember that same gospel is for you. That even in the task and the efforts and the labor of sharing with others about the greatest name that they could ever know, there's grace. And Jesus remains with us. Matthew 28, he says, and behold, I will be with you always. So a challenge that I have for you tonight in taking this next step, where do we begin? Honest challenge that I have for you. What I want you to do, I did it for the first time this morning. I have a reminder on my phone. The staff knows I forget a lot of things, like literally like go to the bathroom at 10. I'm just joking. No, but I have a reminder on my phone. I don't want to forget. My challenge for you is set a reminder on your phone every morning when you wake up. What I want you to do is I want you to pray to God for opportunities to Share the gospel. My phone's like trying to unlock. It sees my face. To share the gospel. To be impacting people in your life that you know need just maybe you to be Christ for them. Just pray to God. Plead with him for those type of opportunities to do that. And guys, again, I said it earlier, I would be shocked out of my mind if God were shy in answering that prayer. So first thing in the morning to say, God, I, man, the weight of that passage is true. Please allow me to do that. And I'm doing it with you. And guess what? You want to make my day? Come up to me next week and tell me how your week went doing that. That's all you got to do. I want to read with you a quote as we close. It's by a woman named Lydie H. Edmonds. 
and the song was called My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. It starts with this. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. I hope that's enough for you tonight. I hope that if you are in this room and don't know Jesus, that you would hear him gently calling, come to me and find salvation and find rest for your souls. Hope that you hear that tonight. If you know Christ, I hope that you hear him saying tonight that I am enough. I was enough for you and I'm enough for all those people that you're gonna be praying for this week. I want from the bottom of my heart for, for you to take this challenge and you take it to heart this week. All right. Are you ready for that? Can we do that? You excited? It's good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. It is very clear that it is not only powerful, though simple, but God, that as those have truly tasted and seen your salvation, God, there is a weight on our hearts that we might show it to others. And God, often we don't know how. And so we thank you for giving us a glimpse of that. I'm praying, God, for all of us that in, this, in the sweetness of the morning we would come to you and plead for you that we would show, Lord, that we really believe that it is your power that saves by how much we spend on our knees pleading for you to impact our community and our world with the name of Jesus. It's in his beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK. 